and welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Heat Ratio Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Cotillo, joined by everybody tonight, Mike Mataraki, Coach Dave Dixon, and John Coker. Uh, me, and, me and Coach Dave went solo last week. Um, we, we, we held the fourth down, but got, got the boys all back together again, and it's another quarantine week as we're in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, still in the red. Haven't got out of the red yet. Maybe Governor Wolf will let us into yellow pretty soon. Who knows? We'll see how that goes. Uh, but uh, actually, a, a very busy week when it comes to sports. Uh, a lot of sports talk. A lot of different things going on. Uh, and I want to dump right into the Major League Baseball proposed plan. And it's been getting a lot of play. And we're talking about from just the, the stipulations are like 20 or 23 proposals that are on this safety net game plan for Major League Baseball. And I got to ask you guys what you think about this. And we're just going to talk about the, a couple. And I know Coach Dave has some and Mike has some and, and John will weasel his way in there too. Um, but number one, <laughs> showing up. Sorry, John, I had to. Number one is showing up at the ballpark fully dressed. Right? Like, like literally. Like, so you're, you're getting either dropped off or you're walking. I don't even know how you're getting there. But in metal cleats, full ensemble, ready to go. I, I, you know, that, that, that thought that was interesting. What, uh, yeah, John, what's up? All, all I can think about when you say that is like back when you were like 12 years old, your mom dropping you off at the field, and all you do is you got your glove and your cleats on, and that's it. You go, like, little John, right, go, little Johnny, go. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I, I would pay to see Bryce Harper getting off the Broad Street line oh with like flip flops and his stirrups. Yeah, like and, and, the, and the uniform <laughs> pants with like a T-shirt, big equipment bag over his shoulder, hat on backwards. You know, like like you're showing up for your your 18 year old Babe Ruth game on a Sunday. Yeah, it's it, it, I mean, it, it it's it's crazy. I mean, we look at I mean, no mascots. Say bye to the Philly fanatic. No no sunflower seeds. Uh, Coach Dave mentioned before the show. No around the horn. Uh, we talk about no. You can't get close to the base runner. I have to ask, like, when does it become basically kind of like a charade where you say, listen, this isn't even worth it. I, I, I want to watch baseball, but what we're going to watch, it, you know, is definitely not a product that we're used to. And, I, and it's, not, it's not one of those things where the XFL came out and we were saying, hey, listen, the NFL could take some of these rules. Maybe it can change the game a little bit. We're not taking any of these rules going forward in Major League Baseball. This is just a complete – mirage of what we're going to see in 2021 so i mean have we gotten to the point where we should just throw the town and say you know what just go to 2021 or we actually gonna have to live through this for the next six months i think it's a great question but i mean like how do you enforce some of that stuff yeah. like what happens if like just out of sheer habit a first baseman starts to throw the ball around the horn does the next next batter get a ball or is it a balk or yeah you know, what's that? How do you enforce these things? You can't. You can't, Mike. I, I agree with you. Like, the, instinctively, I mean, they've been throwing the ball around horn since they were 10 years old. They're, they're going to stop doing that. I mean, personally, I think we need to play, no matter what the stipulations are or whatever, just to, for the rest of the world to get back to some type of normalcy. I think it's a big to-do that these guys get back on the field and suck it up and whatever – the mandates are deal with it. Um, I don't want to say it's like, do you remember 9-11 and when baseball got back and played how big, how it affected the rest of our country. Um, and it was a big deal. Right. And, and it, it juiced everybody up and everybody. Biggest, dif biggest difference though, Dave, not to cut you off about 9-11 is we weren't worried about getting sick. So at 9-11, it was just, Hey, listen, we have a terroristic threat. We're going to ma maximize security. We're going to check some bags. We're not worried about temperatures. We're not worried about social distancing. We're not worried about germs. This is a completely different thing. Same concept, I get, but I just think this is way bigger than it was in 9-11. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what, what, what bigger can you get besides being a terroristic threat to, to take your livelihood? I mean, they just knocked down two buildings that killed the most Americans since the Civil War. So... Right, but how many months did it take for them to plan such an attack like that? Obviously, we weren't, you know what I mean? It wasn't going to be, like, inevitable that the next attack was coming. I, I, I know it's a risk. 
I just think yeah. it's more of a risk for, for getting sick in this perspective than no, I love it. But hey, I, I get it. I, I'm completely on board with you though, with your point. I don't know about you guys, but I've never seen a first baseman cough on a baseball. <laughs> I mean, will now. They're going to do it on purpose now. Oh my God. Maybe, yeah. maybe they'll make the pitchers wear glo- wear like uh, surgical gloves so they don't get any sweat or uh, spit balls or whatever they're doctoring up the balls with. Well, maybe maybe all these rules will help the Pirates. They'll actually have a winning record one of these years. No, all I don't think rules. so. I'm just saying. No. No, no, not at all. Maybe maybe they could pay someone more than uh, Jason Kendall's record-breaking contract. Jason Kendall? Are you sure it wasn't Jason Bay or Jason Kendall? It was Jason. And Kendall. <laughs> well, you know the, the other. Does the other matter? <laughs> well, it does. What one more? One more batting gloves. One didn't. But um, one of the other sides of the, the, this argument is from the players, and I thought it was really interesting. You seen Blake Snell come out, former Cy Young Award winner, Tampa Bay Rays. You see Bryce Harper come out and back his comments, but basically ad libbing here, but saying, "Hey, I want to get paid. This is about money." And if I'm going to risk my life, I'm getting paid every penny. And then you have Nolan Arenado come out, who just signed a massive extension, who basically says, listen, I think we have to be smart about this. We have to understand that people, 33 million people unemployed in the United States, some, some horrific number, people losing their homes. So he was more, you know, he was more softened stance when it comes to, you know, the money aspect. And I think that's going to be the biggest deal going forward. It's going to be – it's just all about the money, right? It, like like P. Diddy, all about the Benjamins. That's what this is all about. At the end of the day, it's all about the Benjamins. So, I, you know, what do you guys think of that argument? I mean, is there a, a right or a wrong way to think of this? Are we wrong for thinking these players are being kind of like petty about this or no? That's what I think it's just what it is. Everybody to each their own. You know what I mean? There's, there's two sides of, you know, and – players in the NFL pick a sport you know what I mean there's guys that want their money and money's what rules it others you know they realize they make enough and they see what's going around you know going around them you know with all all the stuff going on and they want to get out there and they want to play baseball and they think it's good for you know the people and the country and you know he's willing to make a you know make a sacrifice with his money Whereas, you know, other ones, look, they get paid to do a job. Don't take my money away from me. I mean, it's just two different sides of the coin. I don't think one's right or wrong, but you're never going to have everyone on the same side. Actually, John, I I like what you said there about you don't think one is right or wrong. Because I I actually feel like, you know, in a sense, they're all right. And I'll start with Arenado because I think Arenado is right in the sense that they need to be a lot more sensitive about the way they talk about these things. Yes. Harper should have just kept his mouth shut. I think he was just (laughs) trying to give Snell some clout. But Snell is actually not wrong. Because if you look at the situation, the players' union already agreed to essentially prorate their salaries based on the number of games played. And now the owners are coming back and saying, well, that was predicated on there being fans in the stands, but if we have to go back and play games with no fans in the stands, we need to cut your salaries even more. And the players are saying, wait a minute. Attendance is always the risk of the owners. We don't get paid more for sellouts. We don't get paid less when you don't draw. So if attendance is at the risk of the owners, why should we take even more of a pay cut? Because there's no fans in the stands. And then it starts just spiraling because, you know, the general public will say, well, screw it. You're getting paid to play a game. You know, you should just play this year for whatever the owners want to give you, which is all well and good, but they have a CBA coming up next year. So everything that the players union is doing right now is with one eye ahead to the new collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I, you know, I get that. And we're talking about, obviously, we're talking about having no fans in the stadium. So uh, I guess maybe the difference is, you know, there's never been, even though it's on the, you know, on the owners for the audience, uh, now we're, they're, they're being told we're not allowed to have an audience. Um, unless you're like the KBO and they got in trouble for having to blow up <laughs> sex dolls in the audience, which I thought was hilarious. I mean, if you're, if you're going to give, the audience a fake feel 
why not have strippers, right? Why not? I mean, what the hell, right? Go all out. I mean, how many strippers attend a baseball game? But, um, you know, in all seriousness, this is going to be the sticking point. And, it, you know, it really is. And, and Mike, Dave, you're right. Or, I mean, Mike and John, because you do say there is no right or wrong. I get that. And my personal opinion is I have a really hard time when players are talking about, and I get it, money is money, right? But when you have a frontline worker, a truck driver, a, you know, a nurse in the COVID unit making $70,000 a year, and they're risking their life every single game. You're asking to make a sacrifice. You're not risking your life. You're asking to make a sacrifice. So to me, they're two completely different scenarios here. You're asking to make a sacrifice that, yes, you could inherit a small amount of risk. But that person that goes to work at that, that you know, whatever hospital, I want to say the names, but every single day that works in that unit, that doesn't even have the proper PPE to keep themselves protected, they're taking a much larger risk than you, pal. So, unfortunately, they don't have the chance to say, you know what, I'm not doing it. No, I, you know, I want another $400,000. They don't have that opportunity. So, it's really hard for me to side to that perspective. I do understand they're making a sacrifice with the quarantine. I get all that. But I think they really need to be, Mike, you said a perfect word, and sensible. They need to be mindful. They need to be sensible. They need to be very sensitive to the fact that this is a time that we've never dealt with before. Uncharted waters, which I think is one of the best phrases, because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea. And, you know, a lot of people right now, they have no money in their bank account. They have no idea where their next meal is going to come from. And these guys are talking about millions and millions of dollars. I get it. It's going to be, for, it's going to be waiting for them in 2021. It's going to be there. It's going to be there again. So if you make $30 million this year, you're only getting 10 I really don't think that, you know, that life is that bad. Just so my Tony, opinion. Tony, in that regards, then, you should have a problem with the owners not willing to pay the players. What do you mean? What I mean is is that you're, you're putting it on the players wanting to take a pay cut, or they should be interested in taking a pay cut. And you didn't mention the owners. Oh, I'm talking about everybody. I'm okay. not saying, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying the sport in general. Here's my, here's my perspective on it. The players shouldn't be asked to take a play cut. They signed a contract. Owners you know, should take the hit. For this year, they should be play, paying the players and, and do what's best for the country. Pay the players. Let them, let them get paid to play. And, and there will be no questions, in my opinion, whether they perform or not or go out on the field. And, and, and that's just, I, you know, they're paid outrageous amounts to begin with, right? We all know that. They're, yes. they're not union workers like what we grew up with, or they're not nurses. They're not, they're not this, they're not any, any of those things. They're basically, you know, uh, Hollywood actors, if you will. They're, they're paid performers. Don't take their salary away. It's not their fault that this happened. They're paid to perform. Pay them and they'll perform. The owners are the ones that are multi-billionaires. They're the ones that should be taking the hit here and, and not talking about salary. But aren't they already taking a hit? They're already, right? I, listen, hold yeah, on. They are, but so what? Yeah, but so what? For one don't, don't you have to think of as a future player that this may affect you downstream? And this may affect, right, how? It may affect the revenue. It may affect the cap going forward because the owners aren't bringing in that kind of revenue, that kind of TV revenue, that kind of, that kind of money. It's all going to go downhill. So that $300 million player, don't you think eventually could become a $200 million player because the money in the game is just not in it right now. It may take a couple years to recover. I don't think it would take a year. It would take one full year to recover. I mean, that's all I'm looking at. Here's here's my thing. And Tony, you're you're not wrong, but I, I I got into it hardcore with some people on this on Friday, so I looked at the numbers, and in terms of what they consider game day experience, tickets, concessions, parking, it only accounts for like 28 percent of the total revenue that goes into Major League Baseball. They get so much more money from TV, advertising, apparel, online shopping, all that stuff that they can technically survive. And the other thing that I think we have to consider here is 
these guys, you know, like Bryce Harper's not looking for 32 million. He's looking for, you know, 14 million or whatever that whatever percentage that prorated, out to be. right? Because it's prorated. Yeah it's, yeah. yeah, it's all prorated. So, I mean, the, if you take the actual dollar figures out of it and just say, you know, you're, you're getting 40% of your hours in a given week, but your boss decided that he only wants to pay you 30% of your salary, that's where the argument comes in. It's billionaires screwing millionaires, and because everybody wants the game so badly, they're siding with the billionaires. (laughs) Which is is ludicrous to me, because what about this kid Snell blows his arm out the third game and can never pitch again? Do you think that owner gives a crap next year? Yeah, but but, but he's locked up, though, Dave. He's got a guaranteed contract. He's got a guaranteed contract. Baseball's guaranteed contract. Baseball's all guaranteed. But for how long? Whatever he signed a deal for, right, right. So last year of his contract. It, well, if it's the last year of his contract, then obviously it's you're going to think a little differently. So but that wouldn't change, right? Real Muto? Well, we're going to get into that, right? We're going to get into that. But obviously, why I'm not siding with the owners? These guys are taking an astronomical risk. A lot of them are on a year or on their last year of a contract, and the and and people aren't thinking like this is their chosen profession and their livelihood and their opportunity to make good money and people are siding with billionaires and not the guys that actually perform. I, I don't, I never understood that. I just don't, I don't agree with it. But two things, when has the contract situation changed? Pandemic or non-pandemic, a year, you know, a lame duck contract is a lame duck contract, right? So those players are going to think that way no matter what. I understand that. And to Mike's, you know, argument about the owners and their 28% of the revenue, but isn't that 28%, you know, after, or not 28%, isn't the extra 73% going to take a hit? If the TV networks aren't making money and the advertisers aren't making money, how are they going to afford to pay the NFL the amount of money that they're supposed to get? Well, that's already accounted right? for in the fact that the players have already said, don't pay us for games not played. Okay. So, you know, it, it basic, basically what you – the way that you have to almost look at it as this has just been like a huge, long offseason. And when the season finally starts, the TV, the advertising, all that stuff kicks in. Okay. What they wind up missing is the attendance and the concessions and the parking and all which that. Which would stuff. be that 28%, which is right. – right, I, I got gotcha. you. So, Blake, Blake Snell, real quick. Uh, is in the second year of a five-year, $50 million deal. So, and he's with Tampa, so he's probably underpaid a little bit. Yeah, he probably is. And the fact that he's a Cy Young winner, so maybe, you know, maybe that has something to do with it from from his standpoint. But, yeah, I mean, dude is actually guaranteed or would have been guaranteed at least another $40 million. It's a lot of money. It is. A lot of money. And, and Dave, let's get right into that JT Romuto situation, right? And, again, a, a situation that the Phillies fumbled, in my opinion. Uh, I, I said it before the pandemic. You know, when we were talking about arbitration, why, again, why are you messing with this, right? Why, again, why? You know, and, and, I, and I wrote a piece for phillyinfluence.com and Fox Sports the Gambler got a lot of eyes and got a lot of comments. Uh, me and Mike were at each other's throat like a couple of eighth graders at a, at a, <laughs> at a graduation dance, which is all good. That's the way shit works, right? And, but here's the thing. In theory, right? I didn't disagree with you. Oh, no. <laughs> That's all right. It's all good. I love it, right? And this is what we do. And it's, uh, Mike just found out why I got the name Jigsaw uh, because there's been a lot of people want to wring my neck over the years, and, and he sees why. <laughs> so it's okay. Uh, but, you know, Matt Clintac and company fumbled this from the from the jump, and – you know, I said this before, I'll say it again. This is the, the best catcher of baseball. Can we all agree on that, right? 27 years old, a bargain at $10 million in arbitration, and he shouldn't be a bargain. He should be played 20-plus. Grandal got 18.25 on a one-year deal with Milwaukee. He, he needs to be paid better than Grandal. I'm sorry. Way, he, he's a much better player than Grandal. So it's an insult. And sometimes, Dave, you, 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 you'll know what I mean when we work in a union atmosphere uh, and, you know, and we get how management 
and and sell, you know management union employees we get we get the demographics we get the analytics of it of how you you form a contract sometimes you have to look the other way sometimes i'm not saying to break a contract but you have to make an exception and jt over muto is that exception that you make you want him happy because you see what happens now other teams are talking man maybe we could jump into this maybe maybe if he does go back to the phillies we're going to offer him such an astronomical amount of money that JT says, you know what, they really didn't want me, so I'm going to go sign with the Mets now. That's a big problem to have if you're the Philadelphia Phillies. See, I didn't have a problem with the arbitration process because there is a way that you have to do the business. Like you right. said, you guys are union yep. guys. You, you get it. Yep. I mean, they, they went to arbitration. They offered a record salary for, you know, a fifth-year catcher. Even Real Muto's agent said that they were pressured by the union to ask for as much as they asked for in arbitration because they're trying to bump that, that pay market. scale up. Yep. Where I totally agree with you that Klentak fumbled this thing, as soon as the arbitration process was done and he came back to spring training, they should have been talking the extension yep. right there. Get it done. That's, do get the, it done. Do the arbitration, get it done. And then bring him right back to the table and say, "Okay, you're making ten million this year. Let's start talking about next year now." Yep, I agree completely. Then he wouldn't be on that one year lame duck deal and going into obviously we didn't know at that time, but going okay. into a year where everything's unknown, everything. It goes again, like I just my consistency against the management. Um, I just don't understand why they felt the need to do this to this guy. Um, and this goes, it, it's like past practice with the Phillies it recently. Like, why are we, you know, uh, pinching pennies when they're supposedly, Mike, you probably noticed better than, than anybody, they're like third or fourth in, in money earnings in MLB. Um, and what are they, the third or fourth largest market? There's no reason for them to pinch pennies with one of their hot commodities that is well worth it. Zero. Well, I think, I, at least in terms of this year, I think what they were trying to do with him was get through this year at whatever the arbitrator said they had to pay him. Come this offseason, they declined the option on Jake Arrieta. Now all of a sudden you have $25 million to play with he's going to wind up getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 22 to 23 million a year. So you're basically saying, okay, well, the Arietta salary is gone. We give that money to real Muto. We stay under the luxury tax and we take the, you know, 10 or 11 million that we paid real Muto last year. And that now goes to, you know, the next young first time free agent pitcher that they can get their hands on. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a good deal and it's a good idea, uh, but again, you're you're playing with fire, you're rolling poorly those dominoes, executed. right? I mean, poorly executed, yeah. good idea. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it it, it, it this infuriates me. I'm sorry because it's it, now it's, we work for the Phillies. Right? What's that? Now we work for the Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> he may he he well he may be getting Clintax on advice. You know it, it, you know what's, no, the, the bad part about this is we just went through the Bryce Harper saga and it, it made us feel so happy, right? To say, man, maybe maybe the Phillies have turned a corner. Then then they started the offseason with the Zach Wheeler deal and the DD Gregorius, and we're like, all right, maybe they're finally you know starting. And then, boom, flattened off right away. Just and then this JT Romuto situation made it even worse. So it, it, you know it just infuriates me when we talk about it. But well, here's you a, get, yeah, Tony, Tony over here, like Arliss or Joe from Ballers, <laughs> wants to be doing like backroom deals yeah. while, while while the uh, the pandemic is going on. So oh. as soon as play resumes, he can put his name on a contract. Dude, Ballers, that that is definitely definitely me. I love Joe. Yeah, you guys all watch Ballers, right? <laughs> I've watched it a couple times, not as much. Oh as man, let me tell you, it is. It, it's. I mean, it's not as good as Entourage, but it's. It, it's really that kind of same shtick. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, it has celebrities on there. But you know, listen, man, that that is a great show. But Joe, Joe, this is a backdoor deal right there, buddy. No, no, no doubt about it. I guarantee you. Uh, I got Joe written all over me. But here's an interesting question. So. 
if we do start the season and there's a universal DH and the Phillies have to put a DH in every single game, who are you picking to be your DH? Jay Bruce. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been a lot. How about how about you, John? You're saying yeah, I same, agree. Same, Mike. You yep. like the Jay Bruce pick? Uh, I do. Although I, I, I also think that they could wind up playing with their infield a little bit and keeping Alec Bohm on that's the major what, league yep. roster. I like that. Yeah, that's and what I was thinking. He could, he could DH, spend some time at third, first. You know, you could play him full time at first and have Hoskins be the DH. I mean, that's what I want. I actually feel like the thing would be one of the few teams in the National League that would like benefit immensely from getting the full time DH. Yeah, I agree, I, put put Hoskins on the bench. He can't play first worth a lick, dude. He's the most uncoordinated first base I've ever seen. I'm sorry. When they said, uh, get him out of the outfield, put him in his natural position, I'm thinking, what coach worked with him throughout his career? He puts the, he puts the wrong foot on the bag. I mean, it, it's horrendous. I, I, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all about the Alex Bohm experiment. Here's, here's the thing that I don't like, though, that I would love to get your opinion on and for all of you guys. Is it the reason that I had such an issue with – the universal DH is because they just put all these rules in this year to speed up the pace of play, but you're going to put in the DH, which the American league has proven over the last, however many years inflates pitchers, ERAs, it increases the time of the game. There's way more offense, obviously. So do you, if you're going to have a universal DH, do you then take out those rules about, pitchers having to face three batters and trips to the mound and all that stuff? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I obviously, you know, from my comment, I feel real big proponent of the universal DH and, and my, my main, you know, argument was, I think it should have been put in when they decided to have interleague play as oh, a yeah. full-time thing. It's just, just, just my opinion. Uh, I just think it, I know it takes some stuff away for the game. I get it. I just think it, it's a huge part of going forward. Uh, I'm not a big, uh, you know, proponent of the pitch counts or the mound visits. I uh, Only because I think that's more a part of the game than the DHS. Just my opinion. Uh, and I think it helps baseball, and I think it helps players prolong their careers. I and mean, we're talking about guys like an Albert Pujols, right? Who, you know, obviously now he's kind of cooked. But a guy, you know, at 36, 37 years old, you know, a player that, you know, normally would have to play first base or be a liability in the outfield, now he get the eight and make another three-year contract. So I you know, I think it prolongs the players as well. So that's why I like it. What about you, Dave? You a big DH guy? You like the universal DH? I like the idea. I personally don't like the DH because of uh, the – I'm more of a purist um, baseball-wise, but – I, I mean, I understand. I understand the logistics of it. I understand what you said of the longevity of some older players, like uh, um, Martinez for the Seattle Mariners was one of my favorite hitters ever. And, and Edgar, Edgar, he was. I mean, he's a legendary baseball player, in my opinion. Phenomenal DH, right? Frank Thomas ended up oh. his career as a DH as one of the best ever at it. So. Yep. I understand your point, Tony, but if, if we're going to play baseball, um, I'm in the regular starting nine, and the pitchers are part of that. I, I respect that. How about you, John? How about you? You've been quiet yeah. tonight. No, nah, I, I, I agree with Dave. Um, I prefer no DH. I don't know. I just – I don't know. I like seeing them, I like seeing them pitchers up there, and you got a pitcher that could wield the bat or something. I don't know. I I, I'm, I dig it. I dig That's it. only because the Pirates don't even have an option. The no, DH. they don't. That's no, <laughs> no. They, they can sign a free agent. They're, they're lucky they can feel like $100. Yep. Pirates don't have to worry about social distancing. No, <laughs> not at all. Not so at my, all. my thing with it is, like, I think it takes an element out of the National League game that we're all used to seeing, like, you know, if the pitcher comes to bat in the sixth inning, is the manager going to go to the pen and try to get three innings or four innings out of the bullpen? Or is he going to let the pitcher hit 
and try to get another two innings out of them. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you know, do, do, do you have a left-hander up in the pen or a right-hander? And, you know, who are they going to come in and pitch to? And, you know, double switches won't happen anymore. Like, I feel like there's just a lot of National League strategy that goes away with the Universal DH. That's part Again, of the game. I, I do want to agree with you that when they went to Interleague, that would have been the time to do it. I just feel like this year is not the time, but that's me. Well, listen, that, that, that's what makes baseball so new unique, what you just said. And, and, and that's why it's only special to certain people because uh, people fall in love with baseball because of exactly what you just said, like, you know, what's the situation here? How are we going to play it? Are they going to take the pitcher out? Are they going to pitch to him? Is he going to bunt here? You know, it, it's, it's, that's that's what makes baseball uh, very um, beautiful to me. <laughs> I mean, he intentionally walked the eight hitter to get to the pitcher, and the manager pinch hits, pinch hits for the pitcher. The pinch hitter hits a slam, or you know something like that. Like just things like that that you you, you kind of see maybe five, six, seven times a year that just won't exist anymore. Or you have to, or, or you have a uh, Tony La Russa. Make that batter, make that pitcher bat eighth, just to try to change the game plan up a little bit. You know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. But you know, getting into a little football talk because you know, for some reason, violence has reared its ugly head once again in the NFL, and we're not talking about wife beating this time. Now we're actually talking about armed robbery, assault. I mean, I, it, it just this whole all these stories boggle my mind, and it was like day. After day after day, I mean, you know, we went from Ray Rice and Joe Mixon knocking out their girlfriend or their wives, and then now all of a sudden we're talking about, you know, people sticking people up in the NFL. I mean, you're you're an NFL player. You're, I, I, I just I don't understand it. I mean, do we attribute this to the coronavirus pandemic to these players? Dave, you said I have no accountability. That they have no plans. They're they're not together. They're. I mean, do these players need that much discipline? in the NFL not to go out and do stupid shit like this? Like, seriously, it's unheard of to me that you would even be thinking about something like this, uh, especially in, in the realm that, that of where you are. And, you know, this is going to be a big deal. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see what Roger Goodell and the NFL commission does about something like this. Uh, you know, we're not going to get – I don't need to get in names and teams, but at the end of the day, this is a problem. That again, that the NFL seems like they have to deal with. You're thinking too much time on their hands. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. I, I I think it's right now that you know you, you're acclimated to a plan. I mean, we're talking. We're in the mid, middle of May right here, right? And you're talking OTAs. You're talking, you know, film sessions. And I and I get it. People are saying they have Zoom calls and they have things of that nature. But at the end of the day, they're you know they they don't have their routine anymore. But go play Xbox. You know, go play Madden. Right, I, I, you know, you're going out and uh, armed robbery. Seriously, the, the, the product. The, these these young players are a product of their environment, where they grew up, and how they grew up. And when you take them out of the college football environment, where they're regimented, doing, they have no free time to get in trouble. Then you put them into the pros, where they have all this time to, to work with the team and they're around older players and they're being courted a certain way. They have no time to revert back to how they grew up and their environment they grew up in. And that's exactly, you started the conversation with did the pandemic help cause some of these things. It absolutely did because they went back to where they grew up and, and that's, that's something that I don't think a lot of people realize um, how these players were raised and the environment they grew up in and, you know, what they saw growing up and how they lived life um, is a lot different than some of the people we know. No, yeah, obviously, because that's not what I would be doing. I'll tell you that. Uh, well, did, no, you guys, did you guys hear the speculation that it may have been a, uh, a card game gone bad a couple of days before? Yeah. So they went back to – more or less try to get what they perceive to be stolen from them in a card game. Yeah, that's what I heard. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that brings up the environment to you, Dave. 
Well, it's, it's, it's disrespect. They, you're not allowed to disrespect me, especially in front of all these other people. I'm going to come back at you. Wow, man. We, we did things a little differently back in the day, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I remember, remember, remember were you a tagger? I was a tagger. Did, did you do spray paint back in the day? No. Oh, see, I was a tagger, right? So the ultimate. Why am I not surprised? Right, right see? Why am see? I not surprised? <laughs> so, so back in the day, the ultimate disrespect was somebody would X you out and tag up next to you. Like, well, cuz, I just spent six hours at K&A with, with a massive piece, okay, right next to the L. John's laughing. And then you run by and you black X me and then throw your mark next to me. Oh, no, we ain't having that. So what we got to do is we got to go back X you out. And, and, and it was, that's what we did. Well, I wasn't talking about – Go and get revenge that way. I, mean, I didn't even know what that meant back then, you know. John, why are you laughing, man? You, like, you were, did you have tagging in Pittsburgh? The, that's like the 80s version of the Jets and the Sharks. No, <laughs> this ain't West Side Story. Come on. It might be man. West Philly Story. Yeah, exactly. Come on, John. You know what I'm talking about. No, nah, man. Ah, dude, you guys are killing me. I, I, we were just talking about clubs off air. I thought we were gonna have, we were all in agreement with the Philly clubs back in the day, and now you're. Oh, I threw I threw that up on Facebook, and there's so many names coming out of see? clubs that I totally forgot about. I, I know, man, it's crazy. That, that was our life. Oh yeah, no doubt. That was our, no if, doubt. if if you did not go to a club uh, when when you were 16, 17, 18 in Philly, you you weren't living, man. Bronco Bills. So for me, is where it all started. My Bronco Bills. I, I, I had a couple people mention right. that too. That's where it all started for me. Bronco Bills, and I was at Maui on Sunday nights, underage, seventeen to twenty-one, every Sunday. Man, that was the spot. Now, the best places though were the ones, and and I, I hear what you're saying, <laughs> but I, I used to like the places that were like, I think it was like Friday nights were like eighteen to party, twenty-one to drink. Yes. Oh, uh, my God. You had to wear a ri- hot mess. Yeah, they would give you a, a, a bracelet. Yeah. So, that, that, like, that was going to stop you from grabbing right. some alcohol, right? But, yeah, I, mean, I remember, uh, what, was the, uh, what was the club that had all the different rooms? And you guys remember? Yeah. I, 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 you had a different, like, it was all different rooms. There were different levels. It was Yes. Like, it was, yeah. Uh, um, was, that, was that Egypt? Polyesters. Polyesters had three floors. They had a That's 70s. It. 70s room and 80s room that, and a 90s room. Right, Mike. That's it. That's it. I used it. to love that place too. Well, I don't know. How about shampoo? You guys I forgot about that one. Well, did you ever go there on the wrong night? No. Just throwing that out there. I have not. Yeah. But I, I, along I, the same lines, envy. What? 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 What was that? Envy. Envy. Where? No, I don't like, remember. It's like right around the corner from shampoo. Really. See, I I remember club four, club fourteen, club thirteen, fourteen. I remember Saturn. I remember Chrome. Oh uh, my God, man! Atlantis, uh, Electric Playground. Uh, ele- oh wow! Yeah. Pulsations. Ridic- Pulsations. The coastline. Oh my God, man! People, is- people are pull are pulling them like from out of nowhere. It's awesome. That was see, John. John, you didn't have that in Pittsburgh. No, but I went to half of those clubs you just named. <laughs> that's I awesome. It. I love I it. That's like good times, man. Good times. See, that's these NFL players. Go to the club, man. Go to the club. Go to the club. Exactly. Go to the club. One guy who can spend a lot of club, a lot of time at the club is Cam Newton. Uh, <laughs> you know, because he still ain't signed. And he ain't got no job. He, he got, got no job. Yeah, like, like, like Chris Tucker said, you ain't got no job. You ain't got shit to do. So I'm gonna get you high, but uh, yeah, a great movie of all time. Is he able to collect un- unemployment, Cam Newton? Uh, <laughs> is he eligible? You're terrible. He uh, may have gotten a stimulus check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or he's involved in a round two that's coming. So we'll see. Uh, but how, you know, I still think ultimately this guy signs. But one of the one of the biggest quotes I thought that was evident of why he's not signed is Ron Rivera, his old coach who said, yeah, we thought about the Cam Newton experiment for Washington, but thought we were better off going with Dwayne Haskins. I mean, can can Dwayne Haskins be the next version of Cam Newton for Ron Rivera in Washington? 
if you think about it, right, they're kind of like have a lot of similarities, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're going to find out. And I hope that, um, you know, can't put together some good years there. I mean, I know, obviously, you took them to the Super Bowl. Yep. Um, you know, their defense was a big part of it. But Wayne Haskins is an interesting um, player. His skill sets are a big, strong guy, strong arm, and he, no accuracy. He is he is uh, able to run a little bit. So. I, I don't know. I don't see him translating well in the NFL, but um, maybe I'm just being hopeful that we don't have to worry about him doing well as an Eagle. I, I, I'm going to say words that I have never, ever said before. Uh-oh. Breaking Cam news. Newton Drum roll. A, Cam Newton is a better pure passer than dot, dot, dot. In this case, it's Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're, There's not you're, many right. other people you could say that about, but yes, Cam, a better pure passer. It's not to say that Haskins can't improve, but right now, I don't think there's a comparison. It just seems odd to me that Ron Rivera is sticking with the kid. You know, he's a guy who wants to basically, uh, he wants to come in and show the Carolina Panthers, listen, man, you, you made a big mistake letting me go. And you're going to hit your wagon to Dwayne Haskins. That's, that's bold, man. That's a well, really bold move. Dan Snyder's a psycho. <laughs> I mean, one of the conditions of Rivera getting hired may have been you got to stick with the kid. Yeah, I don't know if it's a condition, but, you know, management went in and drafted him to be the guy. Now, look, he's coming from Ohio State, uh, practically an NFL team to the Washington Redskins who basically are floundering. So he's not going to have the, the same personnel to work with. He got a lot of learning to do, especially, you know, your first year in the NFL. He didn't even be, what, he didn't even start at the beginning of the year. So look, I, he's, he's got a lot of ground to make up and I really did not see him doing much in the NFL um, period. I mean, we'll see, but I don't think I don't think Rivera had the option to. You know, I'm not saying that they couldn't have maybe. I don't know if they would be able to sign Cam as a backup, but I don't think they would. Like, I don't I don't know that that would be the move they would make, and I don't think they were going to give up on Haskins yet. No, that's that's, that's a great point. It's obviously, you know, like Mike saying, Daniel Slater is very unique, and you know, I, it didn't help Haskins that they traded away to. Hall of Fame left tackle, whether he played for them last year or not. I mean, that's it's not what you do. I mean, yeah, they get another healthy year of Darius Geis, uh, which I think is is a young up and coming stud as a running back. Obviously, if he can get past that knee injury, and don't uh, forget, don't forget Bryce Love but, there too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, you, you, there's a lot of you know, there, there's a lot of scenarios here. And, and, and speaking, you know, before I go into my last topic here, we talk about running backs. Are the Eagles going to do anything when it comes to backup running back here? I mean, are we really fixated on Carlos Hyde? Seriously? That's who I have to get. I, I, you would think that it's freaking Christmas with some of these Eagle fans. Oh, my God, Carlos Hyde. Did, did I miss something? Carlos Hyde, a pro bowler all of a sudden? I mean, come on, man. Who do you want, Tony? I want Freeman. I want Devonta Freeman. That's why. Well, I yeah, want. Yeah, that's kind of a given, but here's the thing. Carlos Hyde ran for almost 1,100 yards last year behind a Swiss cheese offensive line in Houston. He's not that bad. I would, I would take him over Shady. Oh, I don't want Shady. Listen, and I don't think the women in Philly want Shady either. So, because – Nor do the restaurants and bars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All, all bartenders and waitresses, beware. You do not want Shady McCoy. Well, we don't have to worry about social distancing. There won't be no dining anyway this year. So, we'll have to yeah, worry the, about that. that. That's when you need to be an even better tipper. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I would tell, yeah, I would tell you guys uh, – I'll see if I can find a picture. But when he was, uh, when he was an eagle – uh, one of the guys I work with, his daughter is a bartender at a, a really nice place over in Jersey who I will rename Laneless. And Shady walked in after a game with his entourage, drank all night long, and left two quarters as a tip. 
and basically laughed as he walked out and put them specifically up against. She took a picture of it for me up against the shot glass. Like that's that. I mean, come on, cause that's just unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. Did her dirty, man. Did her really dirty. It was a shame. And she said they ran all night constantly like they were like you know they all on demand they wanted everything right now get you know they try to do their best and that's what he does so yeah people don't people don't want shady but mike you're right carlos high had a decent year i get that you know maybe i you know i constantly think of the 49er years and i just think of myself saying the guy that should have been that never was uh right. you know he had the fumbling issues he had the injury concerns and maybe Man, i, I turned, agree with you right? on freeman yeah i, I, I just want freeman i love freeman. i want but I would be fine with Hyde as the consolation prize. I just, I just can't go into this year with nobody, right? Bry- uh, Bryce is not I, the answer. I like the, I like the aspect of them trying to get a hammer type of a running back. That's 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 what you need. You know, I you know Tony, you've been around me long enough that Garrett Blunt was one of my favorite. Oh, uh, you love Blunt. When when they acquired when they acquired <laughs> in they more ways than one, you know, I'm like, this is this is a great great thing that Howie did here, bringing this guy into the fold because he, you just need those two different type of backs to to be successful, and uh, you know, Legarrette Blunt putting him in the backfield, the threat of running play action pass, it actually means something with that type of a back in the backfield. So that's a big deal. You know what? I completely forgot about something. What am I talking about? We don't need a backup running back. We have Jalen Hurts. Because Doug <laughs> said he's going to be a running back. So we should be good. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to roll yeah. my eyes. Yeah. Line him up at fullback, and he's going to yeah. be a lead blocker. What the hell? Why not? But let's let, 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 let me end this segment on this. And John, I, I really want your input on this because this has a, a really big fantasy perspective into it. Uh, because I, you know, I've been doing things, reading some articles, getting getting ready for some fancy work for the gambler. And, I, you know, I keep looking at arms. And people keep talking about old man Rivers, talking about Phil Rivers. And Phil Rivers did not have a good year last year by any stretch of the means. Uh, you know, 23 of 20, 23 touchdowns, 20 picks, 39% touchdown percentage, lowest ever in his career. Okay, so I look at him and I look at the change of scenery he gets. He goes to Indianapolis with – a guy who's very familiar with Frank Reich, who is, we've all called kind of like the quarterback whisperer, so to speak, right? And he knows what Phil wants to do. Uh, you know, he's going to have a nice weapon out there at T.Y. Hilton. He's going to have a really nice running game. Definitely a better line than he had in San Diego, in my opinion. It's going to give him a little more time to throw the ball. Is he a top 15 quarterback when we talk about both NFL and fantasy. Can he, can he, is he top 15? And, 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 you know, you look at these numbers now, you look at some of the players that are, are kind of on the bubble, you know, because last year he, he actually was 18. You know, can he be a top 15 quarterback this year? What do you think, John? What, I mean, do you, do you see him putting up those kind of numbers? Um, maybe borderline. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys at the quarterback position. I mean, you got you got pretty much like a top four or whatever, right? Maybe even five. I say and then five. You you look at that next group, and from like six through eleven, to flip a coin. I really don't even care, even when it comes to drafts. Like you're you're nickel and dime in between these guys. But the you know. reason why I ask about Rivers in that spot is because I think you all agree with me, and I know Mike and maybe Dave will as well. We've all played fancy for many years. Phillip was always that wait and see guy to say, you know what, I'm not going to rush on a quarterback because I always have old yes. man Rivers, right? Yep. He's going to produce. Is he that wait guy anymore? Can you wait, and can he be productive? Or now did, did he turn into that quarterback where you need a 1A and a 1B because you're really not sure of what he's going to do. Yeah, I kind of treated him that way for the past couple of years in reality, where I would go after like a Rivers and a Stafford. I'm not going for like the, the top guys. I'm taking two guys if one gets hurt or if I want to play matchups or whatever. I mean, that can work. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, he's getting up there in age, number one. You're going to a whole different scene. You, know, you said it's probably an upgrade in terms of the offensive line. 
but it's it, and I know he got some familiarity with uh, with uh, Reich out there, but I, I, he don't know the rece- the receivers. I have especially going into this year with limited off season workouts as a team in some way, shape, or form because everything that we're going through. I am very hesitant to take any quarterback that is coming into a, a new team with a new set of receivers. Philip Rivers called Joe Burrow. I mean, even though he's a rookie, just these guys aren't going to have time to Tom really. Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady, some too. Yeah. No way. Tom Brady, some too. Tom Brady has played with the same team and the same head coach for over a decade. Dude, you work at the same spot doing the same stuff for that long. I'll tell you what, it's definitely an adjustment. I'm not saying that he's not the best, but it, it's definitely an adjustment. Can't tell him, Dave. Come on, Dave. Give it to him. You're waiting. Top five, dude. This year, he's going to be. He's going to light it up. There's no, no way, way he does it. Exactly. When you when you have when you have when you have three, sorry, John. When you have three high end wide receivers and three high end tight ends. On the Bruce same Arians route. and Bruce Arians is your head coach. Come on, oh my God! Tom Brady's throwing the ball. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Tom Brady is going to have a very successful year if they play football. Yeah, Tom, Tom Brady is the Michael Jordan of football, bro. Yeah. Tom Brady just picks up a football and he does what he needs to do. Yeah. Tom Brady will get more wins than he will stats, is what I'm saying. No, no way. Yes. With that team. With this yes. No way. Yes. I, 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 your pencil on your fantasy stuff. Oh, hey, whatever. <laughs> you could you could draft like everybody else and go off of your general rankings, but I'm not buying into Brady as a top five quarterback or anything this year. Oh, I am. I'm one hundred percent. I'm buying right into that hits, bro. Come on, That's Mike good. Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk. Mike Evans is going to drop ten balls in a game, and Brady's going to stop looking his way. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> then all of a sudden, Mike Evans drops balls? Yes, he does. Because he was getting thrown for Jameis Winston. They weren't even close to him. The guy oh, had that, laser eye surgery that, for Christ. Yeah, that, that was half of them. The other half, they they hit his hands and fell down like a uh, flapjack. He's not hey, Aguilar. He, ne- he never Come had on. problems catching the ball from Johnny Manziel. That Johnny football, baby. Oh, jeez. Listen, I, I, you know, top five. I'm sorry. There's no way Tom Brady ain't top five. And I, I, I do. I, I think Phillip Rivers is top, gets under the top 50. I think Phillip Rivers actually gets like 13 or 12. I think he's that good of a year this year. I'll tell you what, though. Me, personally, I have the ultimate will and grace crush on Kyler Murray. Okay? I think Kyler Murray this year is going to be phenomenal in that offense. Now that you get D-Hop over there, now you, now you change that offense a little bit, your line's that much stronger, your year two, the running back situation plays itself out. If Kenyon Drake can actually, you know, take that next step like he did last year, uh, Chase Edmonds is back. I mean, they have a ton of talent out there in Arizona and one of the up-and-coming, you know, offensive minds in football. So uh, I'm a big Kyler Murray guy, and I'm on that wagon. And, John, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but Kyler Murray's like top seven to me, maybe even six. Uh, I think that's that, that's how high he gets. And I got him could. at seven. See, oh, there you go. See that? We, you, you're stealing my notes, aren't you? No, well, I'm staring <laughs> at my cheat sheet, baby. But, yeah, I think he's going to be that good. Uh, you know, and, and, again, take it into consideration what you said is he didn't need an off-season to repair yet. Listen, DeAndre Hopkins, are they going to have to get on the same page? I'm sure, yes, they will. But at the end of the day, DeAndre Hopkins is a beast. He has hands of you know of gold. He catches anything. So if it's in the same vicinity, he's catching the ball. I'm going to tell all you guys right now, if Kyler Murray stays healthy this year, don't sleep on Christian Kirk. Oh, I love Christian Kirk. He could conceivably be the best wide receiver on that team. I liked I liked him last year. Yeah, he did. He did. He's not. He didn't sneak up. Well, in the in the beginning, he was low, but all of a sudden, thanks he, to John Coker pointing him out to me, um, he made some noise last year. And he got hurt. I think mid season. Yeah. So I saw hurt his stats a little bit. Uh, but yeah, listen, and they still have Fitzgerald out there. 
Larry Fitz, I say the test of time. But that's the thing. Like Fitzgerald and Hopkins are getting all the attention. And I'm just like, why is nobody talking about Christian Kirk at all? Who's who's a, who's a tight end out there in Arizona? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't remember the last tight end they had in Arizona. It ain't it, it, it ain't it, it ain't the old old man out there. It isn't what, what was his name? He was in a he played in Miami, played in Buffalo. His name's on the tip of my tongue. Wait, is it, Clay. Is it Ricky Clay. Seals Jones? Charles Clay. It ain't Charles Clay, is it? Oh, it's Sealess Jones. That's it. Ricky Sealess Jones or whatever his name is. I don't like those two named guys. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dave. What, what were you saying? I think I stepped on you there. No, uh, I'm, I'm saying is Kirk the number three there? Yeah. Technically. I, I guess mean, he has to be, right? Uh, well, I, I would imagine that Hopkins and Kirk will be outside so and Fitz will be in the slot. Yeah. Yeah, so technically he'll be the number two. And there's gonna be a lot there's gonna be a lot of movement on that offense. A lot oh, yeah. of movement. Uh so I'm looking for I'm looking forward to see that and, and that's the thing. I'm looking forward to uh, other teams play, not from a, a fantasy perspective, just from an actual performance perspective. Like I, I you know, I can't wait to see what happens with a Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, I, I wanna see what Barrows does. Or I well, always say Barrows, that's such a Phillies thing. But I want to see what Barrow does in Cincinnati. I want to see if, if, if he could turn that thing around a little bit. See, you know, I want to see what they do in Miami. It does two a play? Uh, who knows? You know, I, I mean, there's so many question marks. Uh, it, you know, especially if we're talking about a delayed NFL season. You know, if if it does start in October, you know, or mid October, I'm not. You know, I'm not, listen. I'm not sure what's going to happen. All I know is, you know, drafts are still going to happen. John, do you think? You know what happens to NFL to fantasy drafts? Like, are we are we going to have to adjust on the fly here? You know, you you know what I'm saying. In terms of what when the season starts? Well, you know, we've always we've always said, you know, obviously, mo- you know, pure fantasy players always pick their drafts to be like the last weekend uh, of August, right? Right. Uh, yep. Right. So what I'm saying is, you know, that's all going to probably change. I mean, right now, you you if you're planning a draft date. You may have to plan it for like September, October. Uh, you know, I mean, are you still going to, if you draft in August, August 1st, and they say the season's going to be, you know, basically be delayed, does that kill your draft? Do you have to redraft? My, my, my plan would, would always be I mean, you know, when the season's going to start well enough in advance. I'm going to have my draft minus one, one to two weeks from the start of the season. Okay. So like you're gonna know like by the time it's mid August, you're gonna know if they're pushing it back from like early September start. But what I will say, I mean, with all these things, there's a couple things to think about, especially fantasy wise. One, you know, I heard talk of some leagues going with drafting a quarterback position. What do you mean? And instead of a quarterback, what happens if if your starting quarterback comes down with COVID? So what you're saying is, like, if you drafted Wentz, you'd automatically get you, Sudfeld and Hurts. Correct. Okay. Oh, so you're drafted I mean, team quarterback, team like quarterback. that position, right? Potentially. Like, you just – yeah, you're drafting the team quarterback. You get whoever starts. I mean, you know Phil, what I mean? Philly's got to be number one, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, in Howie's world, right? But, and, and the, well, the other thing also, you got to think about, you know, all these backups too. If they are, if if this thing's gonna come back some in the fall, and you're gonna have a running back getting scratched Sunday morning because he has a fever, wow. think about the impact that oh, yeah. this could potentially have. Because they're probably gonna be taking temperatures before they go and do all this. Would be my guess. Absolutely. So, so, so they walk in. They walk into the locker room Sunday morning for a one o'clock game. Uh, got a fever, not playing today. Doesn't matter what position, running back, receiver. It's it. It could be pretty crazy in terms of uh, wow, in terms of fantasy and like last minute injury can, updates. Can, can you imagine? Plus, if somebody comes down with it, dude, they're gone for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Like if you're talking about a 14 day waiting period, so they get they they come down with it, you, they're they're potentially out three games. Yeah, but what, so, what makes that any different than an injury? You can't plan for that. It's just like an injury. No, I agree, but right? it's not. It's not an injury that's circulating around the league. You know what <laughs> I mean? 
it's yes, yes, there can always be a random injury, but if if people start catching that thing like they did in the spring, you know what I mean, at those type of rates, that's I don't know. I, I, I don't applied to the NFL for the fever checker position. Have you? Yep. Well, I can tell you from a <laughs> Dr. Dixon. Hey, Dave, just so you know, sorry, Mike, but sorry. I just read the proposal, and they're going to start taking the temperatures, temperatures anally. I know. So you know. That's why I applied for it. That's exactly <laughs> why I applied for it. I'm just throwing it out there. Just you might want to rethink your application. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, boy. No, I, I can just tell you from a, from a working media standpoint, um, I've already been told that any working media will have to be tested before they're allowed to enter the uh, – the stadium. So wow. like you'd have, you, you don't have to do the full COVID test, but you do have to do temperature and like vitals and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Cause you're, you, you do, you do so many games. So yeah, that's going to be thing, interesting. The other thing that I was told was um, if there is no college football this season in the fall, there is a possibility that the ends, uh, the NFL may take one or two Sunday games every week and shift them to Saturday nights. Ooh. That'd be great. I like that. I'm all in for that. Love Saturday so night football. That is, that is, a, that is, that is very much a behind-the-scenes whisper exclusive to the show. Nice. Um, and I, I frankly, I don't know how they can do it unless they find out real, real soon. I was just going to say logistics-wise. Because, yeah, because you got to get hotels and flights yeah. and all that stuff, you know, moving sooner rather than later. Um, but uh, similarly, like, the NCAA is going to have to make a decision real soon, too. You're right. It's, because and listen, it's going to get interesting. Without, without spring practice, you know, you've got to be able to get all these schools back on campus soon. And if you don't, you're going to wind up having to play in the spring. And we're already seeing decisions made about, you know, some campuses saying it's going to be online till 2021. We're seeing, uh, you know, some youth sports have already canceled in the fall out in California. Uh, you know, and you see the other end. Uh, you know, in Missouri, they ran a 53-team baseball tournament, youth baseball tournament last weekend. Uh, you know, and they put, you know, things in, you know, with no high fives and, you know, things that no fans, things of that nature. So, there's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, you know, Dave mentioned this uh, last show, and I thought it was it was it was spot on because it's basically what it's going to come down to. It's going to be how much risk do you want to assume because we're all going to have to take a risk sooner or later. We're just going to have to do it, and it's going to be how much risk are you willing to take? Who knows what tomorrow brings? We're out of uh, we, we went longer than an hour, which is great. Uh, we had a lot of good points, a lot of good things. Uh, I, I, you know, I want to throw something out there, post something for all, any listeners out there. You know, throughout the course of the summer, we 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 average about twelve episodes. We're going to split this show into three or four segments. Uh, you know, to give back to the small businesses, whether it be locally, we want to do locally first. But you know, on top of that, you know, if you're not local, doesn't matter. Internet based, wherever you are, hit us up. We'll, we'll let you sponsor the show for free. You know, you'll all grab a segment and we're going to let, you know, we'll sponsor you on social media. We'll sponsor you in the episode. We have over six to 700 listens a week already uh, for every single episode. Uh, analytics are going up. We're on all major platforms. So hopefully it can bring you back some business. It's a way for us here at the Heat Ratio to give back to the community. So I think it's a really cool thing. And I look forward to uh, bringing those sponsors on board, uh, you know, to hopefully get them some business going forward for this episode. Number 113, Dave, watch those episodes this week. All right. Cause next week we're going to review the last dance and Wednesday night. If you guys didn't know on ESPN, they're going to re re show game six live uh, on ESPN, Utah and, and, you know, in Chicago with some behind the scenes stuff we didn't see, but and I think it would be pretty cool to watch it, 
you know, and see how basketball was played back in 1998, which will be pretty cool. Uh, so for anyway, for Heat Ratio, episode 113, I'm your host, Tony Cotillo at TCotillo23. Uh, for Dave Dixon at Coach Dixon365, John Coker at PGH John36, and Mike Mataraki at Big Mikey Smalls. We are at Heat Ratio Sports on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, and now finally got the name changed on Facebook. You'll see us very active every day. Give us a shout. Join. Yeah, exactly. That's our fake crowd noise right there. We got the fake crowd noise and we're missing the sex dolls. Maybe we'll get them too. Uh, so, anyway, everybody have a good week. I will catch you next week. Peace.